Wee wee, don't tell me you're at mountain lakes with all of your friends. Wee wee, don't tell me you're gonna start talking about craft beer again. We're cracking wise on random craft beer news. Hanging out with brewers, owners, and monsters doing interviews. We shows a wee wee shows a wee wee shows a wee wee show. It's a wee wee shows a wee wee shows a wee wee shows a wee wee show. From the brew house stage at Mountain Lakes Brewing Company in downtown Spokane, Washington, this is Wheat Wheat Don't Tell Me, Spokane's craft beer live audience show and podcast. You know, when I was a kid, my friends used to call me Davy. Which would have been fine, except I used to wear a coonskin cap and really scratchy underwear. So my nickname was Davey Crotchage. <laughs> I'm Dave Basarava, and here is your host, Chris Sindrick. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, everybody. That was a good, I like that one. The Davey Crotchage. That was really good. Yeah, that was like uh, off the charts. But that the was... story just is a little too close to home. Yeah, well, you know. It's what we do here. We share I'll intimate in pieces of ourselves. My crotch. So anyway, boy, do we have a neon sign kind of show for you tonight. Yes, we have TJ Wallen and Adam Boyd from Spokane's very own Garland Brew Works as our special guests tonight. <laughs> Welcome, TJ and Adam. Hey, um, thanks for having us. Hey, you bet. Thanks for being here. As always, I am joined by Dave Asaraba and Tim Hilton of Mountain Lakes Brewing Company. Good evening, gentlemen. What's the latest in Mountain Lakes and the Spokane Craft Beer News? Oh, well, we've got that collab we did with Iron Goat that is finished fermenting and carved up and should be going into kegs and cans this week. We've also got uh, one more week of the Riverfront Park Pavilion Wednesday Market. So if you want to get a good deal on four packs of cans and merchandise, everything's cheaper at the market. So uh, tell us a little bit, you're going back to what, you know, not to bounce off the market, but the Iron Goat. Remind us of that collab and what, what is that? What did you guys brew? That is the multiplayer, and really the only person that brewed that day was Colin because the um, yeah. system is so automated that uh, we literally just sat around and, you know, Bathed in the sarcasm of Greg Brandt. Yeah, and it was so heavy. I mean, like, we were waiting in it. Yeah. I, I, I think I was actually pretty instrumental. Yes, you, uh, I took a picture of you, and you had a stick at one point. <laughs> a right? stick? Yeah, a stick. You had a stick. Yeah, I, and I, I, was, I, was, I was telling them the kinds of things they were doing wrong and yeah. how to make good beer, and I think it's probably going to be a better beer than they normally make. Because, be, uh, be, because of that input. Yeah. It's the multiplayer, and we did it with uh, Precious Things Fermentation Project. So shout out to Jeff Clark and Candice. Um, and this one, we used cashmere hops, which we've never brewed with here, and either. And um, uh, the Greg had not brewed with them either, so it was a good opportunity to kind of see what this does. So what is that? What's cash? Talk about cashmere. What do we get from that? It's really soft. Is it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. We'd used merino wool before, but right. this is... I, do you, so do you, are you currently wearing a cashmere hop sweater? <laughs> is that what you have? Yeah. 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 We actually make them all out of cashmere hops now. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. so, like, it looks really like I just want to go over and touch you. Yeah. Come yeah. on over. I will. Later. During the break. <laughs> so. Um, no, but cashmere is a blend, and uh, Adam might actually know more, but it's Cascade and... Two others. I don't think one, it's a blend. One it was, was an a experimental. Hybrid, right? It's like an H245 or something like that. Yeah, I remember it came out because of some other 
agricultural issues with some other hops, and they sort of blended it together to kind of create, yep. you know, a hop profile that was already missing in the industry. But yeah, I, I'm, I don't recall exactly what uh, is any hop profile missing anymore. It feels I, like no. <laughs> So is it is it off of an American type it, like it, a it pine, like a piney grapefruit resiny kind of like a I, you know? I found uh, it was interesting because it was it was two pretty run of the mill hops like a Centennial and a Cascade um, essentially uh, crossbred and it came out what what was produced was something that was you know very very uh, recent type of uh, very you know very flavorful right. citrusy and resiny okay kind of hop. And is it, um, when did you put it in for the boil? Did you, was that a, is it more aroma based? We put it in when it was pretty hot. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. You stuck, that's Tim, what that stick was. Tim tested with his pinky. That's his most sensitive of fingers. Uh, and he was like, yeah, that's hot enough. I actually think uh, just about everything we did was um, uh, post boil. Okay. Or, or at the very, very end. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And mostly about 190 degrees, I think. That's, yeah. yeah. And when are we looking for the multiplayer? When is that coming out? I mean, it's supposed to. Greg texted me yesterday. It's supposed to go in cans and kegs in the next t- ten days. Oh, so release is soon, so we can be looking for that. Yeah, and it's going to be. Um, it will be on tap here. Yes, as well as Iron Goat, as well as as precious well things, as fresh fermentation, things. and we'll have cans. And you'll have cans. Yeah, I and think the cans will have Iron Goat's logo and our logo, but we just didn't have room for Jeff's precious things. Oh, precious thing yeah, got left yeah, off. Yeah, they're wow. so small that we're just going to say it's a small right. logo. Yeah, we stuck it underneath on the bottom of the can. Right. It's like a secret. <laughs> it's like a little, <laughs> little farmhouse addition to that. Well, well, to start to show off, we'd like to ask important people who work in the craft beer industry questions about what they do and how they do it. It's called Not My Beer. Please welcome tonight's Not My Beer guest from the historic Garland District of Spokane and Garland Brewworks, T.J. Wallen and Adam Boyd. Thank you. Hi. Well, welcome, TJ and Adam. It's great to have you on the show. Um, you know, I know you both have been friends for quite some time prior to working together at Garland Brewworks. So maybe let's start there um, and, and talk about things leading up to opening the brewery. Maybe tell us a little bit about how you each got into brewing, um, and then we'll work into that. So TJ, you want to you wanna start? Yeah. Um, I started out like a, as a home brewer. Um, I had a big love for the classic styles. And at some point when Adam came to my life in the brew club, uh, the beer world was exploding with... Uh, all kinds of things that were beer and not beer and beyond beer. And we kind of got in that together and drank them together. And then um, all that got ate up and we went back to classic beers. Okay. And so then uh, what was your life like prior to entering the beer world? Did you have a pre, uh, you, you're an EWU alum, right? Is that yeah. right? So what did you study? And um, I have a business degree. Um, I was self-employed with a machine shop. Um, I was much more responsible before I started brewing beer. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And so then, um, you, did you start home brewing before you moved into owning Community Pint? Was that? Yeah, that was Community Pint was a step in my session. Okay. So then you started home brewing about how long ago? Over ten years. Over ten years ago. Um, and how did that happen? How did you enter into the uh, homebrew world? Um. I've just been a hobby guy. I used to race stock cars, so I got out of that because it was expensive. And I'm like, I can oh, make, yeah, and I can make, really I, can make I can make my own beer. <laughs> it was, you know, having this glorious liquid on tap at my house that I made all the time was 
a great privilege. Right. And so then did you, like, you're a Jim Homebrew kind of person? You went there and bought a kit, or how did that work? Um, I live out in the valley, so it was internet, and then uh, when New Homebrew, who later became Genus. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that's what, that was your start with a basic five-gallon system? Yeah. That's what you had? Uh, yeah, that's where I started, but then I ended up with, like, a full-on electric 10-barrel or 10-gallon <laughs> system. Wow. And had that in the basement. So when most people are freezing outside trying to brew or can't brew, I was brewing more beer. All right. And so then, and beers were good? You were, you know, like, uh, truly? It's it's hard to get feedback. Everybody loves free beer. Right. This is true. This is true. And then you move into Community Pint, right? So owning Community Pint. Um, and how did that come about? Um, the ultimate goal was to be a brewery, but I had zero experience in the front of the house. So it just made more sense to to buy other people's beer and learn how to serve it, and we figured that was a good jumping point. Okay. And then, so, Adam, uh, you're, let's go back into your history. Tell us a little bit about you and how maybe, well, you're an EW alum I, as well. I am, yeah. So let's start and, there. So, and an EW employee. Yes, yeah. this is true. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you and your pre-beer history and then your sure. progression to where you are yeah, today. I, I, I started down a different path. Beer was not my initial career. I actually spent a little over a decade in the film industry and, and media industry, uh, and that's what I went to school for at EWU. Um, but as I tell a lot of my students now, I currently teach in the film program at EWU, along with brewing, uh, is that uh, you know the film industry is a great gateway into drinking. <laughs> and uh, as I was traveling the country working on, on film and commercial projects, the sort of, uh, I guess, uh, common thread was always uh, the, the beer and food culture of where I was. So I was always, I started kind of checking out beer and, uh, you know, I would land in a new town and find out where the closest brewery was, check out the beer there. And I, I kind of started, the bug bit me. And just like TJ said, a hobby guy was kind of like, this beer is interesting. What is this? What's the history of this? And then, wait, you can make beer yourself at home? And the rest kind of just... <laughs> fell into it and got hooked on the hobby of making it myself. Okay. Right? And so, and when was that? So you graduate and, or did you start brewing prior uh, to graduation? I, well, I, well, no. Uh, when I was in college and when I graduated, I was not drinking good beer. Okay. Um, I thought beer was something you had to just endure in order to maintain social status. Um, and it was not until uh, I probably was starting my film career in my early 20s that I started, I finally tasted a beer that wasn't, you know, yellow fizzy water and thought, whoa, this has flavor and what is that? And uh, I'm sorry, hops, what are those? And uh, so you start to, you know, I want more of that. A stout? What is a stout? It's dark. I don't understand. That's a beer? Like, so you you start to seek those out and then the next thing you know, you're, you know, spending all your time at Huckleberry's in the international beer section, you know, (laughs) going, what is this? And grabbing every silly bottle you can find and uh, that's kind of how it, Right. Happened, yeah. And then exploring all through your film, all of those breweries and kind yep. of that uh, community any, any more than Then it just became, I was the beer guy on the film set, and I would be the one seeking out the local breweries and, and talking to people about beer <laughs> while we were trying to work on a film. And, uh, and I, I moved away from that, that side of things. Uh, I wanted to stay more local. I was doing a lot of traveling, and that was hard. I had, had just a, a new kiddo in my life, uh, had, a, had a little one. I didn't really like living out of a suitcase anymore and was looking for something a little more permanent. I ended up teaching at EWU, but at the same time was still had that itch. I was homebrewing uh, obsessively, and uh, I had the opportunity to finally get a job in the uh, beer industry at Iron Goat. Um, 
several years ago. Okay. And so then with your home brewing, did you, uh, similar to TJ, did you move from kind of the, for the five-gallon system to then a nicer uh, yes. Of, yeah. yeah, it was definitely a progression. I, I actually think I started, it was a Father's Day gift after knowing my daughter was uh, on her way. It was the uh, the little plastic Mr. Beer sets, uh, if anyone's seen them, you know, like a J.C. Penny around Father's Day. How did she buy you a gift if she wasn't even born it's yet? Ama- <laughs> she's a very talented young kid, you know, and she's always has been, even in the womb. So in utero, she uh, purchased the gift for me. No, um, but... Uh, yeah, I had one of those, made some really awful beer that I think even I... I, I still had a bottle like seven or eight years later sitting collecting dust in my basement that I think I made TJ drink at one point. It really fucking sucks. Right. <laughs> that if was, a, that was a Mr. Beer beer? Like, why would you make beer that beer. and keep on brewing? Yeah. yeah. And I shouldn't have. I mean, I'll be honest, and I tell, I tell a lot of homebrewers this, is like my first several beers were probably undrinkable. I should have quit the hobby long ago, but here we are. But I was in a dorm room doing my first batches, and anyone likes free beer... Right. Especially yeah. when you're underage. <laughs> yeah. They were like, it's got alcohol in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This tastes like popcorn and cream corn, but yeah. I don't care. Mm. I'm going to drink it Did all. Did you soak Band-Aids in this? <laughs> yeah. That's a what, cool flavor. What's going on? But it's getting me drunk. I don't care. You know, guys, it's similar. Dave started his career in the film industry as well. Hey, I was young. I needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, what was the... And just like you, he ended up with an itch, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now we're back to Davy Crotchet. Davy Crotchet. That was your screen name. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Thank you for saying screen. <laughs> um, and so then, but you also then um, kind of moved, and I think you both were connected to this from when we talked before. Uh, there's the... Um, Inland Brewers Unite, which is IBU, which is our uh, regional yeah. uh, uh, home brewers association. Is yeah. that how you both met? Um, and then you, Adam, you were the president at one point, right? So tell us a little bit about IBU. Yeah, um, that is where TJ and I met. Um, and we had actually been, we, we met through the club and we had been kind of hanging out and brewing together. And it was kind of bizarre. We ended up going to an event together later after we had been brewing for a while. And um, his his wife came and attended, and and it, I I was like Sarah, and I, I had actually I had gone to school with uh, TJ's wife all the way from elementary school through high school, <laughs> so small world here in Spokane. He but. he went to a dance with one of her sisters. <laughs> TJ likes to bring that up a lot, but yeah. uh, <laughs> the boring one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so we we connected. I, you know, it's just one thing you get into that hobby, then you start looking around, you want to hang out with people who are also into the hobby, you want to learn a little more. Um, I started just kind of connecting through some Facebook events and got hooked up with the club. And before I knew it, there was sort of a leadership change happening and the club was sort of like, well, we need someone to be president. And I was like, I'll do it, Um, because I'm foolish and don't know how to say no. Um, And so I took over and and, uh, was the president of the club for a little over four years um, in that time. And... uh, it was it was a great experience. It was really fun. It gave me a lot of opportunities. I ended up getting a chance to speak uh, twice at the National Homebrewers Convention on certain subjects, and um, I I think we did a great job in sort of elevating the club and getting a chance to do a lot of collaborations with 
um, professional brewers here in the in the area, which again just kind of furthered me down the rabbit hole of brewing. Mm. So yeah. So now that is the National Homebrew Association affiliated with the Brewers Association, isn't that right? They are. Yeah. Yes. They're like a small offshoot. And then the, they have the uh, they just brought on Julia Hers. Yes. Right to yeah. be able to. So that's that component. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And they have their own conference, right? They do. Yeah. 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 So and they, so that's where you spoke. Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's a big um, national conference, much like kind of the uh, like a CBC sort of the craft brewers conference. It's it's very educationally centered. Uh, they bring in a lot of professionals and individuals to to give seminars and talks. And then of course there's just tons of homebrew and. And beer from local breweries wherever you're at, um, and it's just kind of a big, like usually a three day, kind of just celebration of of the hobby of home brewing. Um, and I had a chance to um, speak in uh, when the conference came to Portland, Oregon, and then I also went over to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and and did a talk about um, pumpkin beers of all things, oh, nice. um, and gave a a, a big uh, passionate talk about um, why pumpkin beers are are valid. Cool. <laughs> Why they are valid? Why, why is they, it? Why they are valid? Yes, it was a it was a tough sell, but I, I got the I got the whole room to raise their hand and pledge that they would uh, give pumpkin beers a shot. So you know. Well, there you go. Yay. Hey, hey, thanks for the one clap. There we go. We've got a pumpkin spice fan. Yeah. <laughs> and so now, um, at, you're then at Iron Goat. What year is that that you started? Uh, that would have been it was just over five years ago. So if I do the math. What is that about? Five years ago. 2017. Yeah, exactly. And so. then, and then, Community Pint comes into existence. What year? Same year. Same year. So then, you're both moving into a new realm of the beer world of taking your home brewing and your beer love to then another level. So, TJ, tell us a little bit about starting Community Pint and um, how that came about because that was a Jones Radiator, and then it was vacant for a while. And then, yeah, how's how that come about then? Um, we've been looking all over town for a location. We looked at the old Viking. We uh, all over. We looked at lots of spaces, and that just been, was the one that had the charm that we wanted. It's just down the road from here. It has new great owners, Joss and Rachel. Um, but like I said earlier, it was just a great starting off point to getting into the beer industry and learning about it all. I'd never. Uh, I'd never even opened a cash register before on the on the user side. Right. Before then. So, so what's POS? Oh, yeah. that's point of oh, point yeah. of what? Okay. All right. Yeah, being a car guy that meant something else. Yeah. <laughs> and so then um, you're at Iron Goat, uh, Adam, and, yeah. and brewing there. And so then how does Garland that that come into existence? Because you had Community Pint and then you I know that you had started, was it Project Craft? TJ, right? Yeah, that was my first delve into learning the this government regulations on beer and all that. So that was a great starting off point. But and that was with a different Adam. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so then, um, how did uh, like w tell us a little bit about how you one uh, came into the Garland area? So how did you choose that? And then how did you two kind of blend in together to making Garland Brew Works happen? Yeah, so um, I wasn't looking to open up a brewery at that time. We were still in the middle of the pandemic. I got a cold call from the property owner trying to pitch me to build another community pine up there. I'm like, I'm not really looking, but I'll go take a, a look. And I walked in there, and it was like the perfect spot for a brewery. It was like, there's no way I can turn this down. Once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know? So um, 
We started looking at that. Before I even signed the lease, I talked to Adam. I got a verbal okay that he would come brew. And I'm like, okay, we're set. <laughs> so I, I heard more about this story, though. Like, there's more to the story. Like, what happened? You went and saw the space. You brought it. You came in. Yeah. yeah was a... I, was, I had been brewing at Iron Goat right. for a few years. And at the, at the time that TJ had found the space, I was the lead brewer at Iron Goat and, and was pretty much the sole brewer at the time. And Soul, um, S-O-U-L. Yeah. Soul Brewer. Soul Brewer. Yes. I mean, you guys had Greg on. Soul Sucking is what I would describe. Um, you have ass. the head brewer, and then you have the ass brewer. Yeah, yeah and yeah. That's, that's where I was. But uh, So you were just looking to get out at any point. Yeah. <laughs> as like, soon as possible. No. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I know Greg came uh, on here and, and uh, insulted me uh, frivolously, but... Um, I, I learned everything. I'm the brewer I am today because of all the work I, I, uh, I did at Iron Goat and everything I learned there. And it was. Can a, you do that without looking at the notes in front of you now? I, well, okay, what was the first word? Um, no. You know, you know why he insulted you like that, right? Because deep down, he's an asshole. <laughs> oh, I'm well aware of that. Um, but, yeah. No, uh, but, you know, and I, I learned a ton there, and I, 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 I'm really appreciative of... Greg and the owners of Iron Goat and what they they did for me. And uh, it, it really was just when that opportunity gets presented to you at Iron Goat, there were certainly limitations. I was a brewer. And whenever there was a moment to do something creative, um, Greg was very open to allowing me to, to do that. But those moments were few and far between with just sort of the model of right, where Iron Goat is. And uh, so when you get a call from your community pint-owning homebrewing friend, TJ... And he says, hey, you, you want to just come look at this building I'm, I'm looking at and just give me some thoughts? And, you know, he walks you into the back and says, you know, at first I was thinking, oh, maybe a second community pint location. But then I saw this back area and thought, brewery, and, and what do you think, you know? And uh, started to ask me questions about a brew house and how you would put floor drains in. And so I'm answering the questions, you know, as a good friend would. And... As he's walking me out the door, thanking me, he's sort of like, you know, if you ever wanted to come brew for me, and that planted the seed, and I went home and kind of sat and stared at a wall for a few hours, thinking about... Uh, five, five minutes. <laughs> and, I, you know, I texted him back and said something like, yeah, I'm in. So, yeah, yeah that's where... And I'm, you live in Garland. I do. So, I'm yeah. actually uh, roughly 10 blocks from the brewery, so I, I, have, I have certainly walked home... On a couple occasions, yeah. That's, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> no, no. Not a, I, I try to walk home. That's why we live in Cheney, you know. It's like I can walk home from most places. Um, so then you you decide to make this happen, and the space is nice because of the the layout of the of the building. And I went in and was able to kind of see everything, and it's yeah. it's really quite the nice space. It's very yeah. open. I'm ne I've never been into the brew house area and the tap room is, so tell us a little bit about your, your decor, like how you came up with, how does all that happen from establishing your brew house? And I know TJ, you have a significant background in machine uh, work. And so then you did a ton of work to be able to build the brew house. Tell us about how the whole tap, tap room and brew house came to be. Yeah, you know, honest, it was really blessing at the time. I owned a, a bottle shop in the middle of a pandemic. I didn't, I was bored. <laughs> so uh, having, having that giant project was overwhelming, but it was also really what I needed at the time. I got my uh, general contractor's permit, and I did uh, most of the work myself. Um, as far as the decor, um, if you've ever been to Community Pine, it's a dungeon. 
So we went 180. It's white, uh, a little brighter. Um, everything's a little taller. It's just a little open. more colorful. Yeah, very open, airy, uh, very comfortable. All right, but uh, very clean feeling as well. And there's a there's a giant beer's art tagline on the wall. Or beer fart. Beer fart. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it, and it's uh, great. And then you looked at the system, and so tell us a little bit about your brew house and and uh, the you know the system that you brew on. Yeah, Adam and I went back and forth about the size. You know what we wanted to do. We wanted to be a neighborhood pub. We wanted to be big enough that we were out of beer all the time, but small enough that we could have some more variety. So we settled on a five barrel. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, and that's there was a really strong advantage I guess I had from coming from Iron Goat. It's kind of it doesn't happen often, probably, when a brewer gets to run through the gamut of a, many years working at a brewery and then getting the chance to say, like, well, if I you know, did one myself, what would I do different? And I had a, the opportunity to a lot of times talk with TJ about sort of like, well, this is something I ran into at Iron Goat as a brewer that would be great if we could, you know, incorporate here. And, you know, sometimes, it, you know, you always want the perfect world to work in, and that's not always either within the budget or logistics. But I feel like we made a lot of decisions that I was fortunate to have the background to know like yeah this is going to really help me um in in this in this endeavor yeah what would greg brandt do and then do the exactly do the opposite um you know right for one not insult people who care about him (laughs) how did uh you go about choosing your beer style so how does that come into play is that has that been influenced from beers at community pint has that been influenced by what you brewed at Iron Goat, or how did you come up? And, and if you had to kind of make a general overview of what types of beers you have on tap, um, what does that fall into? I just took all of the Iron Goat recipes with me, and that's <laughs> what I make at Garland. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. That was very smart. That the, was very the, wise. The head butt became the butt head. And y- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if you come, you know, you'll, you'll see. I even, I mean, most of the names are, I didn't even change them. Right. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, Bob's yeah. still your uncle. Bob's still your uncle. <laughs> uh, garbage blonde. <laughs> uh, I don't. TJ, do you have? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we live in uh, the Northwest, so we brew a lot of IPAs. Yeah, and I, I think there was when we opened uh, before, like one of the initial conversations is the like TJ had an, an idea for an IPA before anything like he said i there's one thing i want it's the og ipa it's original garland and he's like i just want it to be a classic like nod to the west coast ipa so like what that what we were drinking when we got into craft beer and i was like okay yes yes boss i'll work on it and you made that happen so made it happen and i think most of the styles from there i mean we definitely talked about kind of we wanted a selection on the board of, you know, at least one dark beer, something malty, but maybe not so dark, you know, a good selection of IPAs. And as we started coming up with recipes and releasing them, then it was kind of, we were just going off of what people were giving us feedback on and what, what the tap room was telling us. So. Yeah. Yeah. He I agrees. Think, I think the neighborhood likes five to six and a half percent beers. We keep on putting them out. Right. Uh, loggers do well for us. I mean, hazy, hazy pale kills it. Yeah, there's definitely something that um, seems to be true. Is like we and I target a lot of a lower ABV sessionable beers at Garland. Right. It seems like the drinking crowd is just much more about coming in, hanging out for a long time, and being able to knock back a few beers. So you were voted uh, the best new brewery in the Inlander, which is kind of a cool thing, eh? Woo! 
So congratulations with that. We're having uh, Mountain Lakes also was voted the first year they were open, the best new brewery. So congratulations yeah, well, it's to a, you it's as a, well. It's a small you, club. You, me, same. Same. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks for finally saying it, Chris. Yeah. It's been four years now. <laughs> Jeez. You and you know what, actually... They, Our first question was, what are the other breweries that opened? <laughs> How, why is um, this a category? <laughs> I, you know what, hey, honestly, I think... I we, don't, we don't need that energy. <laughs> That's what the Inlander told me. Do you yeah. want to come to the party or not? I was like, okay, I'll come. Basically, I think we beat Humble Abode was about it, and I think it's because... We opened op- before them. Yeah, we opened before them. <laughs> and uh, so, but, you know, it was very competitive. Now, now there's like 10 breweries a year opening, so their, their award is... Legit. Right. Yeah, well, yours, what I was trying to get to is yours is probably more legit. Yeah. Like, there were other breweries that opened... There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, how, how does that feel, though? Being uh, Is there any perks that come from being the Inlanders, uh, you know, best voted uh, brewery, uh, new brewery? That's uh, got to get people through the door to at least come try it. Who I think a little yet? bit, but mostly the Inlanders just trying to sell us ads. That's very cynical. Uh, they will That's, call hey, forever. That's, we're pulling ding, the curtain ding, back, We everybody. have a winner. Oh, uh, you do get to go to the party if you, uh, which is really a nice party. Free food, free yeah, food. It's pretty yeah. exciting, actually. The best yep. part of my year so far. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, Adam, I know you're a fan of fermentation on many levels. So, talk a little bit about other fermentations uh, you're into. <laughs> it's a long kink list, uh, but I'll start at the top. Uh, no, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it started with beer uh, initially, but. I'm I'm just a I'm just a big nerd. I, I I when I got into home brewing, I bought every book I could about brewing and read every book. And the more you know research I did, it was like, oh well, it turns out yeast and bacteria aren't just in beer; it's in all kinds of stuff that's around you and that you eat. And so it was kind of like I'm a I'm a foodie. I I always have been, and so I was I got interested in other stuff. So, and I and as a home brewer, like you start researching this stuff and it's like, oh, if you want to ferment foods, most of the stuff you already have that you make beer with works for that too. So I was like, oh, hey, I'm already, I already got the equipment. So yeah, I got into fermenting, you know, first it was kind of fermenting vegetables, like making fermented pickles and fermented vegetables. Then I got into fermenting peppers for hot sauce and making hot sauce. I'm a big hot sauce guy. Um, And I'm also a gardener. So I was growing the stuff I was fermenting. And then there was a whole other world of like baking bread that I was like, God, I should dip my toe into this. So then I started baking and it was the pandemic hit and that was like the perfect time for every, everyone got into making sourdough bread, right? So I was like, I'm, I'll join the club. And since then I, I like bake bread every weekend. Uh, and I've got, I actually, the sourdough starter that I used to bake bread on a weekly basis came from a beer culture that was pulled out of the fooder at Iron Goat, uh, brewery, and actually, that's where my sourdough starter uh, came from. So oh, yeah, so Greg, Greg's been looking for that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he can pry it from my cold dead hands. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, so I, I got into that, and and so now it's just like anytime I find a book, it's like oh, you can ferment. You know, like right now, I'm reading a book about koji and uh, this wonderful mold that ferments things like soy sauce and miso, and uh, I've been doing some interesting experiments with that. But yeah, so. It, it, you know, I don't know if it'll if it'll uh, bubble and turn into something tasty. I, I dive right. You're into on board. It. Yeah. It's almost like it reminds me of Portlandia. Like you can pickle that. Oh yeah, yeah, you can pickle. You can anything. ferment that. Yeah, you can I, ferment. I bring that. it up all the time. People yeah. will point to something. I'm like, oh, you know, you, you can, can ferment, ferment that. that. <laughs> you gotta Tennis ask ball. Him, you gotta ask him about his scobies. 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, another thing I got into was kombucha, which actually is something we offer at uh, Garland Brewworks. And I actually started the kombucha program year, several years ago at Iron Goat um, and started experimenting there. They had kind of talked about it. One of the owners at the time was and made kombucha at home, but then uh, sort of uh, she sold her portion of the brewery to Greg and Heather and had left. And uh, we had invested in all this equipment to make kombucha. And I was like, ah, I'll do it. I've made a couple batches at home. And from there, it became this kind of program that I, I really kind of fell in love with in making the kombucha. And it was a non-alcoholic option that we offered at Iron Goat that developed its weird own little fan base where people would come in and ask me, what's the next kombucha? I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. Like, and so it, Enough with start, this beer stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got in the kombucha? <laughs> all right. So... Uh, when I left there, it was, uh, at, at the time, at, at least, like, Greg was kind of like, eh, it was your thing. So when I left, it was, I, I was willing to, like, educate or train, and Greg was like, eh, you know, it's kind of your thing. So I took it with me. And I'm I more went, interested in hop water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just poking fun at past employees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so. I said uh, I wasn't going to cry. <laughs> so I, I took it with me, and it took a little prodding, I think, for TJ, I was I was trying to convince him, like, no, it was really popular at Iron Goat. And he was like, eh, you know, a lot of things are popular. <laughs> uh, but we ended up putting it on tap, and again, we kind of have our own weird fan base. We actually had several people come in and be like, we heard the kombucha guy from Iron Goat's here now, so what do you have? Like, yeah. And I've never been more regular. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's good yeah. to hear. Fermented foods. It's just good for the biome, man. Yeah, it's right, very yeah. good. So, All yeah. the... another, another thing, another feather in the hat as far as fermentation goes. Yeah, right. That's very good. And then uh, you also do firkins. And so now you're doing a firkin Friday. Uh, tell us a little bit about your firkin Fridays. Fir yeah. <laughs> firkin A. <laughs> tell us first, maybe for people listening, what a firkin is. Sure. And yeah. then uh, get into the whole. Well, I'll get technical. We, don't, we actually don't have a firkin. That's technically a cask that is yeah. like 15 gallons, I think, um, which is keg size. We have what's called a pin, uh, which is just under five gallons. But uh, pin Friday doesn't have the same alliteration. Yeah. So, um, but a first. It's okay. It, I called the LCB about it though. They're gonna make you. Okay. <laughs> change it to pin Friday. <laughs> yeah, can't catch me first. Camera <laughs> called. Camera called, and they're like, "Hey, man." Oh, uh, camera would be very upset with yeah. most of the things I do, but. Um, yeah, so it's a cask, uh, which is like a little tiny, basically like a little tiny keg. Um, and uh, in this case, a lot of times, we're, what we're doing is every week we're putting a different beer in this um, vessel. And the way that it's served is that it is not under like CO2 pressure like a keg would be. Instead, it's, it's basically being stored at um, cellar temperatures, meaning we bring it out from our cooler and set it on the bar. And then uh, we tap it, and um, it is gravity-fed, and so it's essentially it's a one-night thing because right. oxygen is entering the cask as we're pouring it. And uh, so it, it's, this, it's this live living thing because um, it is uh, sometimes it's been primed and sort of conditioned in the cask, so it's kind of like a bottle-conditioned beer mm -hmm. um and we're doing all kinds of fun crazy stuff with some of the beers we have on tap and like putting fruit in the cask or um, crazy ingredients like coffee and and all kinds of stuff so yeah tj yeah the, go the tldr is we get to put stupid stuff in beer because <laughs> it has a big hole yeah yeah the bunghole the bunghole yeah yeah, yeah. 
We've had that. The big bunghole. We tap it right there at the bar. You you actually drive a tap into the the cask. So you kind of pound it in with a hammer, which is kind of a fun entertainment bit. Watching me. People get spread. Yeah, I mean we've had a couple of oops moments, but not not major, but you know enough to taste it off your face. Right. Which is a privilege, if you ask me. But yeah, that's why you got into brewing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but so every Friday at, at this point, we're kind of doing that. We're either taking a, a beer we have on tap or maybe a beer we've got in the back of the brewery ferment in a way that we're doing something special with. We throw it in the cask, we tap it, and one night only, come on down and try this new kind of um, crazy addition of one of our beers. Sweet. That's awesome. It's cool Very to cool. know how much cool stuff you can put in there. Yeah. And the firkin, because Dave was like, let's get a firkin. And I was like, all right. All right. And he goes, and what can we put in it? And I was like... I have no frickin' idea, so uh, it's good. So to it's get just some. sat in the basement now. For yeah, just down there. <laughs> for a long Four time. years. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so what's in store at Garland Brewworks uh, that folks need to know about coming up for the spring and, and into the summer? What's the what's the the need to know? We uh, we have an exciting release on Saturday. It's Th- our that's true. What is the exciting release? So there are nine stores on Garland that sell records. So we made a uh, beer called Double Track. Double Double Groove. Double Groove. Double Groove. So it's a, uh, yeah, so it's a beer in, brewed in honor of uh, Record Store Day, which is actually April 23rd uh, on Saturday, which is like a national day to like celebrate uh, vinyl records and the stores that continue to, to sell them and offer them to people. Um, and because we have such a large presence of record stores on our little strip where we're located, we decided to brew a special beer. So it's a uh, an imperial or double hazy IPA that we brewed that features mainly Azaka hops. Um, so have you yeah. guys thought about trying to sell records? <laughs> well, that would make seems ten like... record stores no. on the strip, and that seems like one store too many. That could so. be record breaking, right? <laughs> Well, Adam and TJ, it has been a true pleasure talking with you and learning your story and the exciting things happening at Garland Brewworks. Thank you so much for joining us on Not My Beer. That wraps up the first part of our show, and I'll take a break and be back in a few with TJ, Adam, Tim, and Dave, and an audience contestant for a little game we call Who's Beer This Time? Welcome back to the brew house stage at Mountain Lakes Brewing Company in downtown Spokane, Washington. This is Wheat Wheat Don't Tell Me, Spokane's craft beer live audience show and podcast. And once again, here's your host, Chris Sindrick. Well, thank you, Dave. And now the game that tests your knowledge of recent beer news. It's called Who's Beer This Time? We've asked an audience member to step up for the challenge. Hello and welcome. Tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Stacy, and I used to live down in Pullman, and I was part of a community band for a while. And part of our community band, we had the Offgates band that would play for home brewers down in Lewiston. So that was always a highlight of uh, being part of that band because we would play a little bit and then drink a little beer, and it was great So the Lewiston Homebrewers Association is so large that they have a house band? (laughs) No, they just would pay us to go play for them. (sighs) That's awesome. 
And so then you, this would be at like an event that was happening with the, the, not like you went and like Bob was brewing and he'd be like, hey, come play in my garage. I'm mashing in about noon. Mashing in about noon. Can you hit like the high notes right yeah. when I add yeah. like the Whirlpool edition? Yeah. That would be rad. <laughs> Guitar solo. I can't yeah. pay you, but I'll get you so drunk. Yeah, yeah no, right. it was, you get a water band it was in great. The that's no, it was, what do you play? I play the alto saxophone. <laughs> Me too. Oh. Sweet. It's awesome. Nice. Woo-hoo. And so then what was your what was the name of your band? It was just the Off Gates, but it was part of the uh, Pullman community band. So Okay. Very cool. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, you're gonna be playing a game we call Whose Beer This Time, and Dave is going to read you three events from recent beer news, and if you can correctly answer just two of them, you will win a prize, free beer and a pint glass, and I believe tonight we actually have a crowler as well uh, of, a, of a Garland uh, Brewworks beer. Is that correct? Is that right, guys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah? Actually, uh, if you win... Oh, no, no, no. Is no, no, it, no, no. Life, it's, lifetime supply of it's beer not, at It's not a crowler. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait. No, this is even better. It's a card game. It's a beer-drinking card game. That's correct. Is that, that right? I know that is correct. All right, so what is that? Uh, it's, a, it's a game called Hammered Heroes, and it is a uh, drinking card game. It's a take-that card game. You can play to, uh, uh, with three to five players. And there are additional drinking rules if you want to get silly, but um, it takes uh, your favorite fantasy and uh, um, magical characters that you might be familiar with and puts them into a position where uh, they may have had one too many to drink at the tavern before they went into battle. So, yeah, uh, locally designed by yours truly along with a couple other folks. And um, I was going to say, I was like, what is this game and why did you feel that our, our, like, Contestant tonight needed this game particularly uh, because I wanted. It's to plug the greatest it. beer game ever. Yeah, <laughs> and it was developed by you, Adam that's, Boyd. That's true. As, yeah, we, yeah. Should, we should have it's, a. This should be a sponsor of the show, and every contestant gets a copy. Uh, well, I could do that. We can yeah. work, well, we can work out the the money. <laughs> okay. Later. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think tonight. Tonight, you said it would be a signed copy. I'm right? happy to sign it. Yeah. Well, there and, you go. And de- decrease the value of your game. Well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, this Stacey, one's been written on. Stacy, tonight only you'll get a half barrel of Garland Beer Works beer <laughs> every month for the rest of your life. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. And uh, so, Stacy, are you ready to play? Let's do it. All right, let's hear your first question. Recently, a well-known craft brewery was just awarded $56 million in a trademark lawsuit against a brand owned by Molson Coors. What is the craft brewery and Molson Coors brand involved in this lawsuit? Is it A, Highline Brewing and Miller High Life Beer, B, Stone Brewing and Keystone Light Beer, or C, Mountain Lakes Brewing and Coors Light Beer? I think I'm going to go with B. We have a... That's right. Yeah, you're going to go B, uh, Stone Brewing and Keystone Light Beer, yes. The correct answer is B. Uh, Seds uh, Stone co-founder Greg Cook, Molson Coors threatened our heritage, but we stood up to that threat. They will put the key back into Keystone, ending their four-year co-op of the Stone name. So have you guys been following this in the news? Did you see? Yeah, it, yeah. Was, a, it was like a 20-ounce you know, can and ish, or it was a tall boy, and it was blue, and it said stone, but if you turned it, it said key above it. I mean, 
they were poking the bear a little bit, I think. Because he he's obviously a bear that loves to growl. I mean, uh, he's, he's known for it. Yeah. You know what, coaches. though? I, I, this is one thing. I, I'm not for the craft beer, the brewery, because there's nobody who's confusing Keystone and Stone Brewing. And I worked for a Coors distributor in Portland when I was young, and Keystone is down here. Stone is way down here. I've never right. seen them close to each other. So no one down there grabbing their malt liquor. It, it was funny. I think one of the lawyers for Keystone even pointed out the fact that like most people who buy Keystone are like using food stamps or like they, they even pointed out that most of their most of their clientele yeah. are like, Oh, like these guys are broke or using unemployment money to buy our beer. They're yeah. not getting this. I do brand recall confused, that on Instagram. Some which quote. sort of opened up a whole nother question line of like, hmm. Is that something you're proud of? Yeah, but, uh, the Steel you know, Reserve guys were like, we don't allow D- EBT. So. Right. So. We're actually suing uh, Bush right now. Oh, why? Yeah. Why Bush? Head for the mountains of Bush. Oh, yeah. Beer. Well, and I think you go after Coors, right? It's Coors with their blue mountains, yep. the cans cold. Because oh, that's, uh, that's uh, Coors, yeah. Yeah, yeah Coors yeah, Light. We're suing them, too, yeah. Well, shit, you well, ought yeah. to. It's confusing the consumer. Well, and I do know with Stone, they own the trademark Stone. So the issue is, even if Keystone used the term before, the trademark belongs to Stone Brewing. So you are an infringement yeah. of using the term Stone, which any larger brewery, macrobrewery, would go after immediately a sure. microbrewery that was opening with their trademark, right? True. You know, actually, this happened years ago. Uh, remember Pete's Wicked Ale? Yeah. Long ago? Yeah. So Pete's Wicked Ale had the logo of that dog with the little patch, right? And then uh, Anheuser-Busch had Spuds McKenzie, right. which came after. And then Anheuser-Busch sued Pete's to say, you need to get rid of that logo because it's ours now. So, Stacy, here is your second question. According to a recent article in Food & Wine magazine, an old practice of warming beer to make a tasty drink is on the rise and coming back into practice. The Brits called this type of beer a flip, and the Germans call it Bierstockeln. What is the method used to create this hot beer drink? Is it A, set a pewter mug on the fire and wait five minutes? B, add hot rocks to your beer? Or C, stir the beer with a red-hot poker? (laughs) What? Wow. It's a stirring question. Stirring, yeah. Absolutely. It's a hot topic. It's, it's a hot been, topic. It's yeah. red hot. Oh, okay. So I, I feel I'm feeling I'm feeling like see stirring it. Stir that it. is correct. Stir it. You are right. <laughs> You're correct. Yes, the correct answer is C. Yes, a metal rod is heated and then poked into a beer. Uh, where the complex sugars caramelize and creates a toasty marshmallow-like character. Typically, a malt-forward beer, like a Doppelbach. Uh, in British culture, it's been done for years, and so it was a way to warm a beer. And so you would take a hot poker off the fire, and then you would mix it. It would caramelize. It gives us this hot toddy-type you know, drink, and it's called a flip. And in German, they, they use a little different rod, and the Bierstachen, or whatever the heck that was. Mm-hmm. And it basically means beer spike. Well, Stacy, here is your third question. On April 7th, National Beer Day, Miller Lite introduced a product that was aimed at making other crappy beers taste like Miller Lite. What was the product? Was it A, Miller Lite Beer Drops? 
B, Miller Lite, Alka-Seltzer, and acids. Or C, Miller Lite, chewing gum. Wow, the gum sounds interesting. <laughs> but so this is basically you order a light beer, but it's not a Miller Lite. So you're like, well, I want to taste Miller Lite. So I'm going to do this to my beer to make it taste like Miller Lite because that's the king of all light beers. Plop, plop. So there's a drop that makes something. I know. There's yeah. a drop that makes something taste right. less like something. Yeah. <laughs> a. Yeah. We got it. So it is A, right? <laughs> the correct answer is A. Yes, Miller Lite introduced the beer drops the week of April 7th and immediately sold out. You just add the beer drops to any light beer and you can make it taste like Miller Lite. So they were selling them. Online, they were like four dollars a pop. That's amazing. But they you, sold out. So it removed flavor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or what if you had water? Just added flavor, so it's non-alcoholic. So what would what was would it you just add? water? I don't know. What was in these beer drops? Like it was. A, I don't know. Like a, like it's a, like some kind water. of. Was if like only somebody was like, "Hey, when are they selling those? And how do I buy them?" And oh! actually bought four packs what? of beer drops. Oh. Miller Lite. Yes, they Man, sold out gee. the day I bought. They sold out in literally five minutes. Yeah, that's and what I, I got on. Say. I was gonna say you, can, you, you know can how much these are going. Anything. You know how much these are going on for eBay right now. These are going for like thirty-five bucks. Let me see. Toss one down here. No, hold. Can we try it with our? So as an additional prize, you get. You can pass that down. That's yours. You get your own little pack of beer drops if you want to. Has she? Have we even tallied this? This one I haven't opened yet, but we're gonna try it out. So wait a minute, is that one sealed? How many drops per pint? So I don't know. Oh, so it. I was thinking. You take this. You open it. So like so. And then what you do is you take it, I guess. It looks you, like you those Mio things. Squeeze it into your beer. Let's see if your beer tastes like Miller Lite. Oh, I love Miller Lite. Oh, wow. What an achievement. <laughs> and the Holy verdict? shit, that's so good. Boyd's reaction. Here you go. Try it, try it. Pass it down. There you go. Boyd's reaction. Add it to He's your beer. get quoted on the next release. Woo! What an achievement. Do you think it's going to make my stout taste like Miller each, Lite? Each bottle's supposed to be. It smells like my grandmother's basement. Oh, so it's actually really good. I'm just going to squirt it really on my good. tongue. I'm good, actually. Yeah. Oh, Lord. That's the way. For those uh, listening along at home. These are eye drops. <laughs> <laughs> TJ may have just ingested a lot of eye drops. What do you think we could do at Mountain Lakes to sell, like, Mountain Lakes drops? What would um, go in it? So this is, so I know how they did this. Okay. They did exactly. Right. They took cardboard. Mm-hmm. They soaked And they water. soaked it in water. For like a month. And then they put it in this. And yeah. they said, hey, did your beer now taste oxidized? Yes. Yeah, they wrung it out. Yeah. Because I don't know why like... you guys are, are bullying Mal- uh, Miller Lite. Miller Lite is um, one of the best. Uh, oh, it should work <laughs> great in that dark <laughs> beer. Yeah. You squirt it into it. It's not the champagne of beers. That's Miller Highlight. Like, yeah. this beer just yeah, dropped to 96 close. calories. That's what's awesome. Wow. You add it to your style. Like, a, you know. <laughs> You put it into your peanut butter porter, and it goes down to thirty, you know, ninety-six Get calories. Get this, this is only, this is only two servings. Yeah, that is two. You're supposed two. to use. It says you're supposed to use half the bottle in your other light beer. You know, Chris, we have a ninety-six calorie beer too. It's only three ounces, but it's. Uh... <laughs> it landed on the floor, and that's where oh. it stays. It stays. Well, anyway, that is uh, so yours to sell on eBay. 
for thirty five wow. bucks a pop right now. Wow. Yeah, I jumped on. And I bought the Max four uh, four of them. How many so of these I should we make? I Bob? still have two at, at least. Wait, uh, at hold least on. There's an expiration date as yeah. if cardboard water expires. Yeah. yeah, tastes better after this date. <laughs> yeah. so anyway. It's fairly soon. July it's 31st. in July. It's very twenty. Well, yeah, all, all good things spoil. <laughs> you know, it's a born-on date, and you gotta, you know, adhere to it. Yeah. I know see- Iron Goat is actually gonna have some uh, drops. <laughs> yeah. It's made of a uh, horse manure and sweat socks. I think <laughs> they say it sat in a fooder. <laughs> well, hey, Dave, let's find out how Stacy did with the quiz. Well, three for three. I think we have a winner. Woo! And you can you can choose whichever prize you want, Stacey, if you want that game or if you want these drops. I mean. No, you get them both. You get them both. Congratulations, Stacy. You have won our prize, free beer in a buying class, some Miller Lite beer drops, as well as Adam Boyd's own beer drinking card game. Woo! Thanks for playing Who's Beer this time. That wraps up the second part of our show. We'll now take a break and be back in a few with a game we call Brewers on Tap. Welcome back to the brew house stage at Mountain Lakes Brewing Company in downtown Spokane, Washington. This is Wheat Wheat Don't Tell Me, Spokane's craft beer live audience show and podcast. I'm Dave Basaraba, and here, as always, is your host, Chris Sindrick. Well, thank you, Dave. And now a game we call Brewers on Tap throughout the night. Our audience members have had a chance to write down a question for one, a few, or all of our panelists. And we've chosen a smackerel of them to ask our panel to tap into some of that brewer and owner knowledge. Let's get started, shall we? So here's your first question. Uh, Do you think that old beer styles are becoming more mainstream? Ooh. Are they old beer style? I don't know. I'd classify old. No. Some should die. <laughs> so, so what should die? Old beer styles should die. Wow, that's a hot take. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is drama between us, but smoke beers. Oh, so, so yeah, so that is drama between us because I'm, I'm a, I have a penchant uh, uh, for so smoke beers. Like but smoke beer. What's that but, mean? Uh, I have, I'm, I favor them. Yeah, um, but I do understand the majority of the disconnect with smoke beers. I understand that smoke is a flavor that a lot of people either enjoy in food but not their drink or don't enjoy at all. So, you know, I've, I've been around long enough to know that, like, a smoke beer is not something that's going to be widely popular. But for me, like a German, like, smoked beer... Right, like, like a, a true Roush. Like, like a true Roush yeah. beer, yeah. a lager, is fantastic. Right. But I, I, I know so many people who are like... Um, n- no, I, that makes me want to vomit. So another, another traditional beer that I've been interested in was a, a Kentucky Common. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and uh, I, was, I, I was reading about it. I was like, this sounds really cool. And then I had one, and it was like an award-winning good one, supposedly. Do you want to name the brewery? I was just I'm like, <laughs> this, is a, this is the style. This beer is not good. Um, I can see why the common is no longer that common. Uh, but uh, it's kind of a cool thing to, to brew, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for exploring styles that are no longer popular or in the uh, ether, I guess. But it is also something you have to acknowledge as a, as a brewer and a brewery is that brewing 10 to 15 to 30 barrels of this may not be viable. Right. But um, there's going to be a niche audience that mm-hmm. appreciates it. And so if you can 
find the right volume that makes sense. I think it's fun to experiment. Uh, and then, you know, have the great Northwest IPA in in a larger volume for I, everyone else. I think we are seeing a beneficial, like, curve, though, right now, where you, you, they don't just go to a microbrewery for an IPA. Right. I think that's, that's good. Yeah. I think that's a good step forward, that you can have craft versions of all these different styles, uh, including light lagers that don't have to just yeah. taste like You don't butt. have right. to put the Miller the drops Light in. drops yeah. in. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you know, it's... And they're like, oh, is this light lager supposed to taste like Pabst? And we're like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, like, that's yeah. their thing. We're not a cover band. <laughs> we'll use malts and we'll brew it in a style We're a tribute band. Similar. Yeah. We're a tribute <laughs> band, yeah. You know, though, like, five years ago, uh, Brewer's IPA was... Or Brewer's Ego was tied up in their IPA, and now it's tied up in their uh, lager experience. It's yeah, very true. it is. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. But yeah. we, we've progressed in a way to be able to... Because they all have egos. Right. <laughs> and, you, and you do. Very true. But I think, you know, if anything, that American craft beer movement has done is its beer um, archaeology. Like, what, what's happened is we've gotten to a point where we've been able to unearth old styles, and then people have taken the time to brew those beers. And, like, who knew what a gruit was... You know, ten years ago, nobody did. They didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. Everybody thought like trying to the Sumerians it. were brewing with hops. Is what they we had thought. No idea what they would hate. No. <laughs> yeah. Like wow, that was a thing. Red beer. I can Droid. see why. Wow. I can see why they stopped mm. doing this. Ah. But I do think. I mean, it's that that whole you're you're allowing the public to taste beers that normally, if we didn't have the craft beer, American craft beer revolution that we're having, no one would know what a Rausch beer was. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't, I mean, you can tip your hat to Blue Moon because that put Belgian, the wit beer back. I mean, Hoogarden, I think, was the only remaining brewer yeah. of, of the wit beer, and it was almost lost, and then we have that come into consciousness, and now everybody knows what a wit beer is, and 15 years ago, you didn't. So we well, then, that's the beauty of it, right? The brothers came along and brewed something that is not a traditional Hefeweizen and right. told everyone that it was. Right. And now I'm still educating. But it's American. <laughs> but we have the American Thanks, wheat. Thanks, Widmer Brothers. We have Just the American wheat beer. put my orange slice in the glass. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's Next right. Next question. Next, Next question. question. <laughs> this is for TJ. What was your original idea for Community Pint? And then did a uh, follow-up. Did Rachel and Joss... Fuck it up. No, I'm sorry. Did, <laughs> did yes. Rachel and Joss continue the idea, or are they more doing their own thing? I'm sorry if I'm... But that's basically it. So. Uh, I'll answer the second first. You know, a combination of both. Right. Like, Community Pint was me. I'm not there anymore, so it had to be somebody else. It's a small place. Right. And, uh, but they definitely... Uh, I, I gave them a bunch of great contacts, and they kept them up, and... Um, it just shows craft beer is about relationships, you know. So they kept up those relationships with uh, the different breweries, and they've uh, extended to some newer breweries that are great, and they brought some new names in, and so they're doing a great job there. Yeah, what and was, it, what, was and the, what was the first question? And you have a really good relationship with them, we should say. Yeah, they right? were like, uh, yeah, they're yeah. regulars. Um, the reason the sale worked out is, um, you know, Rachel was looking for a place and. I threw that out there, and they got a killer deal because it just went off the market, and I didn't have to like try to sell it and answer a bunch of questions. So right. it just worked out. And it, so it's it, not the hostile takeover that everyone thought it was. <laughs> People were talking. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, from a consumer standpoint, even like long before we opened Garland Brewworks, I was a absolute regular at Community Pint. I mean, a, a craft beer bar of that caliber that brought in all Did kinds of stuff. Did you know that your one of your good friends owned it? I found that out later after I, after he sold it. I was like, no shit. No shit. Yeah. So, but um, it's been great I, to continue to go in and have the same like variety and selection and and honestly, Just a little every, bit better. Every time I went in, Joss and Rachel were there anyway, so they're still there, and it doesn't feel that different. Um, so it's really cool to see that torch get passed right. from the torch that got you know ignited from uh, TJ's work. And see it continue to burn. So yeah. Here's a question for Mountain Lakes. Uh, do we know who won the Lester Cup, and when will the secret party invites be sent? Yes. So, so yes, we do know a winner, and and we're stoked because um, we've been waiting for these guys to win. Um, and I I'm not at liberty to let it out, although I think a lot of people already know. So that's either uh, Black Label or the Grain Shed. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those you have two. a fifty-fifty okay. chance there. All right. Um, and we're supposed to be doing it, what is it? Is it April 5th? May 5th? May 7th is Saturday. We have to, we have to get an email out to folks uh, yeah. soon. So, and, I, and I think and it's going to be in like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And I would have I already had that email out, but my fingers cramped up. At, there's like 350 votes, and I have to put all those emails in with these hands. Oh, wow. <laughs> So that's my fault. Okay. And so then... Uh, and my name's so, And where, where will the Lester Cup... Uh, oh, the party's going to be on the 7th, and it's going to be at Black Label. Oh, at the Saranac Commons area. Yeah, it's Saranac oh. Commons. Saranac Commons, be- yep. Because they won? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Okay, uh, sorry. No. I failed to assume. Because they have peace pie. <laughs> yes, because oh, yeah. they have the best... Peace pie. The closest thing to an actual New York slice you'll get. So you didn't have it at Steam Plant. You just decided to have it at no, that Black Label. That wasn't available, and I don't have the right so attire. That, I don't have the right attire. To we don't decide the Lester Cup stuff. We're not. You just count the votes. Well, congratulations. To we just work won. for Lester. Yes, congratulations and, uh, to whoever we'll won. Celebrate at Black Label. Yeah, Black Label. Black Label. I mean, don't, Black Label. We'll it's be there totally at cool. Black label. Uh, I think it's it's a Black Label where we'll be celebrating at Black Label. At Black Label. Okay. All right. Cool. Sounds yeah. good. Uh, we can't win every every one. It's just we win every other one, like Tom Brady. Yeah. This says, I love kombucha. I need a new SCOBY. Uh, do you have any extras? Oh, I have, I have so Who wrote that? I have so many. All right. I'll I hook you. Okay, I got right. you. I got you. Got you, SCOBY. Yeah, so they call it, like, uh, there's, like, a this very fun name, like a SCOBY hotel, if you continue to, like, grow them. But, like, I have, like, jars at home that are just filled with layers of scobies. I got I got you. So we we just have a scoby Airbnb. <laughs> and that works too. It's Hoping gotten for a little a hotel. more expensive lately yeah. at the scoby Airbnb, but yeah. Another question? Yeah, let's do another one. Okay. Wanna, you in for it? You up for it? Yeah. So uh, tell us uh, oh this is more about your beer drinking game. So um, Stacy tonight oh. Who's a common theme that we have now? Okay. Uh, she won this cool game that she you did. designed. So tell us about it, though. How do it's, you? Like, wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait! Plug your new game. Okay. Yeah. No, well, we're game. working on a new game, but plug that's game. that's not neither here nor there. Um, the game um, that you have in front of you, Stacy, is called Hammered Heroes, and it's something that came about a few years ago um, between a few friends of mine that I knew through the film industry long ago, who were creative individuals and artists and designers 
And uh, but everyone also, seems to be clothed in this image. Yes, it's very different from my past. <laughs> but uh, we were we're big nerds and gamers, and I had a friend who would. Every time we got together to hang out and drink beer, he would bring some new game, card game or board game to play. And what Was that Randy or Thomas Crossgree? <laughs> N- neither, actually, oh. although they're both they're big both, supporters. They of love the game. games. Yeah. Yeah. But we would get together, and by the time the rules started being explained, we'd be two to three to five beers in. And it would be difficult on some of the more complicated games to play. And I think at one point I, I voiced, I said, hey, wouldn't it be neat if we had like a really fun game that we could play that like took very little time to learn? And also if I was a little buzzed and or drunk, we could still continue to have fun and play. And that's sort of the seed of what ended up happening. And we developed this game called Hammered Heroes, which we sort of played on a lot of our favorite like fantasy games for anywhere from... Harry Potter to some more medieval-based characters. One of my friends, Clancy, is an artist. He drew all the artwork for the game. Uh, And so the idea was to try and make a very fast-paced, kind of fun, gotcha game that you could play with a group of friends that even if you're out at a bar or hanging out at a barbecue at home drinking, you can learn to play really quick, and it's fun to play. And there's optional drinking rules if you decide to incorporate whatever beverage you're enjoying as well. Um, But we ended up uh, putting it together, designing it, launching it on a crowdfunding site, Kickstarter. We ended up raising a bunch of money to uh, uh, fabricate it, basically. We launched... It looks beautiful. It looks like... Yeah, thank you. Yeah, a campaign to uh, create 1,000 copies. Wow. That was a few years ago. We've sold most of them. Parker Brothers. And so we're now working on our second game, and uh, we're still moving this one, and it's been really fun, and... It's been a, a game that we bring to breweries and pubs where we go and just to have a good time and, and play as well. So I'm glad I'm glad Stacy gets to enjoy it as well. Hammered so. Heroes, is there a website where people there can go buy the game? There is hammeredheroes.com. You can check it out, and you can also follow us on social media and check out our, our new game that we're working on as well. But, yeah. All right, here's one. This is for the panel. The best beer or, or brewing in Iceland. Do you know anything about Iceland beers? I was just in Iceland. Oh. In Reykjavik? No way. The Northern Lights are better than the beer. Ah. But, uh, yeah, they got a couple big breweries that are putting out some great beer. And so what's the style? What do they fall in? Are they more like lagers? Is uh, that... They had a beer that was like a winter IPA that was like an amber. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, what's think... their traditional beers in Iceland? What do they fall in line with, um, you know? I don't know that they have traditional beer. It was outlawed for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been through Iceland, too, with TJ, and it seems like if there was any influence, it's coming from other European countries. Like, there were some lagers that felt German-inspired yeah. or Belgian-inspired, maybe. But oh, it's sort of like one, Mexico. One, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, one, the expats who were hiding yeah. from... From what? You know, the trials they did. <laughs> One one unique thing about the country is you order a pilsner and it's a half a percent beer. Yeah, yeah. Half percent yeah. ABV. That's what they call their pilsner. Really? There, there are some really neat breweries there though that I know are like geothermally powered. Okay. Like they're using like the volcanic activity there to like sort of at least heat their water and that sort of thing. So it's an interesting environment for that at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Your, okay, last question of the night. Your favorite beer you've ever brewed? Favorite beer you've ever brewed? Teach. You got a you got a favorite? Ooh, 
I think uh, I made an Oktoberfest that was uh, decocted one year. It was probably the, my magnum opus. And that was where? Where is that a, a homebrew? My basement. Nice. I actually think TJ and I bonded a little bit because I think that was the same the same year I had I had brewed an Oktoberfest as well, and we had come to like a homebrew event and like traded our Oktoberfests, and we're both like nodding, you know, like yes, we have achieved the greatness. Of but can I have lagers. mine back, please? Yeah, <laughs> I I know as a. You decocted yours too. Yeah, exactly. We were just decocting all over the place. All kinds of decocks. Just, just no, yeah, no yield to our decocting. Wow. But uh, a, a style that I've always, I've always been a fan of, and have brewed at home a lot, and ended up uh, having the opportunity to make it at when I worked at Iron Goat was a uh, was an ESB, a, a British bitter um, that I I felt. Uh, you know, there's always something about that style that I just enjoyed. This sort of sessionable, somewhat hoppy, but also malty pale ale. A lot of times served on cask. Like, there was just something beautiful about it. And I, I made a recipe that I really enjoyed and got the chance to brew it commercially and thought I nailed it. And I, I've always been really happy about that. Nice. But, yeah. Yeah. If you want to see a disappearing act, give uh, Adam a warm, flat cask beer. The first time I landed in London, I... That uh, my first beer disappeared in seconds. Real ale, it was man. It's like down the throat. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's easier yeah. to drink too, and oh, so easy. Less to carbonation. Drink and like yeah, absolutely, and incredibly sessionable. You can hang out all day in a British pub and just drink and drink and drink <laughs> until they throw you out. Yeah. yeah. So. Or invite you to stay when they close the curtains. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or, or tell you to go back to work. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Lunch is over. Yeah, You're back, back to up. Parliament. Back yeah. there. <laughs> I was, I, yeah. My wife and I went to London, and there was like we have a photo. I think I don't know if we got a photo, but anyway, there's a manhole. It's open, and there's the work stuff around it, and then like sitting outside of it's like a Boddington spear, <laughs> just like just hanging out there, like the guys down in the hole, that's like doing his work, stuff, and he come out and be like ah, <laughs> drinking. Ah, that's great. That's <laughs> awesome. That also highlights our liquor laws in this country are kind of messed up, but that's a long, right. drawn-out story. Yeah. What about you guys? Uh, favorite beer? Hmm. Brewed? Home oh, I really home. liked... Uh, we did a Maybach last year, and then we, we brewed it this year, too, similar, but, you know, we'll see. The It was called the Fashion Goat. I think that's the best beer we've brewed since we opened. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I sort of like our pale ales. Um, uh, the Fuggle Pants now, and then previous, previously the Woodwork which was a little bit kind of like a Manny's, and, and I just love pale ales because you have all, all the tastes all together. Um, I also like our, our super uh, malty beers um, that we've done. We've done some um, really hoppy reds, uh, or, or sorry, really, really malty reds that are both sort of just uh, caramely and uh, a little bit toasty. Nice. And I think they've been... Yeah, they're just fun to drink. Good hits, yeah. Yep. Delicious. Yep. Sure. Nobody else likes them, but I love them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. More Do you have you? a peanut butter and jelly beer? We got that for right. so long. Yeah, a donut and a glass beer. Yeah, and then the we're poker. like, finally, we'll yeah. brew one. We'll brew one. All right. Well, folks, it's closing time. A couple weeks ago, I attended the West End Beer Fest, and I have to say it was a darn good time and many tasty beers and rubbery and music to be had. As Spokane becomes more and more recognized as a beer-centric city with increased beer tourism, it's wonderful to see neighborhood breweries bond together to create events like the West End Beer Fest, 
the Leicester Cup brew off and the Valley Cup brew off. So cheer for your neighbors because great neighborhoods are what make a city like Spokane awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for tonight. Thank you. Thanks to all of our guests, TJ Wallen and Adam Boyd of Garland Brewers, and to Bay Basaraba and Tim Hilton of Mountain Lakes Brewing Company. Thanks to our wonderful server, Brian. And thanks to all of you for being here. I am Chris Hendrick. Good night and joy be to you all. Drink up. <laughs>